Well, it is great to be with you today. Earlier when I was uh, just sharing about the project, I, I forgot to do something that uh, I meant to do, and, and that was to pray for these children. That's probably a good thing to do, isn't it, to pray for our kids? And uh, I know that uh, you were asked maybe to, to bring along a picture of your child, and some of you will have done that, and some of you will have forgotten about it, but that doesn't matter because God knows their name, and God knows their face, and he's not forgotten about them. But I think it'd be good for all of us just to stand right around this church this morning, and if you've got that picture of uh, your child that you sponsor, whether it's in Rwanda or whether it's in another country, and, and if you sponsor in another country, we may not know about that because perhaps you sponsored online or uh, at an, an event or something. Come and tell us and we can perhaps link that child to the church record as well. But if you have that, that picture of that child, either physically or in your head, why don't you just raise your hand and lift up that child before the Lord right now. Thank you, God. You know their name. You may not be able to pronounce their name, but God knows them. He knows them intimately. He knows every detail of their life. He loves them. He cares for them. And whatever their past has been, whatever their history has been, whatever experience has been, you know, God loves them. And he's intervened in their life. And he's rescuing them. And he's changing them. God, we lift them up to you today to say we love these kids, Lord. We want to love them like our own. Uh, Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to invest in these beautiful children. We don't take that lightly, Lord. So I pray, God, that you will help us to remember to pray, to remember to write, to think of these kids, and, and to uh, be a part of the solution in their lives. Thank you for them. Lord, as we hold these kids aloft, we see before us future leaders, business leaders, community leaders, political leaders in their nation, doctors and engineers and teachers and, and lawyers, uh, me uh, mechanics and carpenters and great mums and great dads and great citizens of their nation who are going to be able to influence and impact and uh, change the destiny of a nation. Thank you that you take the, the smallest and you make them the greatest, Lord. Thank you for the way that you use children right through Scripture to fulfill your purpose. And so we bless these kids in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for them, Lord. And Lord, we want to be mindful of our children here in the church as well, and as they've gone out to their groups we pray today for the blessing of God just to overtake them, that they will know, maybe even for the first time, that they are loved by their Heavenly Father. And today will be the day that they re uh, uh, submit their life to you, Lord Jesus, we pray, in that childlike way. So, Lord, we thank you that when we welcome a child, we welcome you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will come and presence yourself amongst us now. Jesus, be glorified, we pray, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What an incredible, incredible uh, privilege. I can't say the words. What an incredible privilege it is to be able to be part of the church. Can I get a, an amen to that this morning? Well, thank you very much. I, I thought I'd get one from you. You see, we have been chosen. We have been called. We have been set apart to be God's people, his chosen ones, the called out ones, 
the extraordinary, peculiar people. Some of us are a bit peculiar, aren't we? But God loves those peculiarities. And, and, and God loves us so much. And what an incredible thing it is to be part of the church that goes back in time and on in time and all around this world. Today, uh, the church at Gagenki will uh, have already met probably. And maybe they'll meet a little bit later in the day as well. But they'll be worshipping the same God that you and I are worshipping right here this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, just turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 to 10. Let's kick off with this great verse. And we've got it on a slide as well. If you haven't got a Bible or a device that you can see the scripture on, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. I'll give you a moment just to catch up and see it in your Bible because I believe in having a good Bible right in front of you. It's important to read the Word of God. But it says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen? What a privilege that is. You know, there is a clear dividing line. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you were not the people of God, but now you are the people of God. You've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light to declare the praises of him who has done this for you. Amen. God is so good. You see, once upon a time, we were all poor. Maybe not materially or financially. Maybe we were, I don't know. But certainly spiritually. There was nothing that we could do about our state, about our situation. But because of his great love, God did something about it. Right through scripture, we hear over and over again of God's great love. Because of his great love, we are not consumed, uh, the psalmist said. Listen, Today, if your view of God is one of an angry, finger-pointing, judgmental God, can I tell you, it's time to change your mind. He's not like that. He's a God who is full of compassion. He's a God who is full of mercy. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love, Psalm 103, verse 8 says. In Lamentations, we read that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. This morning... The love of God is new to you. You don't have to uh, live on yesterday's blessing, on yesterday's infilling. The love of God is fresh and new to you today. His love never ceases. And you can receive afresh today. Over and over again, God is faithful to his promises we see in Scripture. Even though his people turned their backs upon him, uh, God extended his love to all peoples. He went beyond his own people, and he extended his love to all peoples. And that's why it says in the Gospels that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not die, but have everlasting life. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, it says this, he came to his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. But to all who received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. And that is what we are. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We've heard a lot about being God's children, about being adopted into his family today. This is who you are. If you're in Christ, you're a child of God. And he is your heavenly Father. 
And this morning, you can come close to him. You can draw near to him. You don't have to run away in shame or guilt or fear. You can run into the arms of a loving father who cares so much about you. It doesn't matter what you've done. You may have written yourself off. You may not have a good impression of yourself. You may not have good self-worth or dignity or whatever it may be. But God looks at you as somebody who is willing to pay uh, the price for, and the price was his own precious blood. Grace costs something. Grace to us is free, but it cost Jesus his precious blood, and he was willing to pay that for you. We didn't deserve it, but that's grace, undeserved favor. There's favor upon your life here this morning. Don't squander the grace of God, uh, Paul says. You know, we deserve punishment, but we didn't get what we deserved. And, and, and that's mercy, not getting what we deserved. Justice was required, and that's why God sent his son, the, the sinless Lord Jesus, to pay the price for us. So he dealt with the, 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 the justice side of things. But, but in coming and, and, and dying upon that cross, that was showing love. It was showing real compassion. Do you know, sometimes we get all these words a bit mixed up, don't we? And grace and justice and mercy and love and compassion and, and forgiveness and all of these things. But, but uh, uh, here's a guy called Brad Jerzek, and in uh, his book called Can You Hear Me? He gives a, a helpful explanation of particularly the words justice and mercy. And it fits right in with the kind of theme of this morning as well. He said this, that mercy is like the ambulance at the bottom of a cliff ready to help those who fall. Justice builds a fence at the top of the cliff to protect them from falling in the first place. Mercy wipes the tears from their eyes. But justice asks, why are you crying? Mercy welcomes the hungry to gather around God's banqueting table. But justice addresses why some are under the table, aching of hunger, while others are sitting on top of the table, aching from gluttony. Mercy seeks and saves those lost in the darkness. Justice asks, why is it dark? Who is keeping it dark? Who is benefiting from this darkness? Is it I, Lord? Let's just pray a moment, shall we? Father, thank you that as we gather in your name, you want to speak to us today. And we want to say thank you for the grace that we have received uh, the mercy that we have been shown, the justice that has been put right, the compassion that has been poured out in our lives. I pray, Father, that out of the relationship that we now have with you, that justice will be a hallmark of our lives, that it will spill out, and we won't have just received it in that kind of vertical expression, but it will now be a, a horizontal part of who we are because it will reach out into the lives of others that we, we meet and come across day by day, that, that love and compassion will flow, that we will be showers of mercy and, and, and uh, showers of righteousness and, and justice in the lives of other people. Thank you that we have freely received and we pray, Lord, that we will be those who freely give in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the fact that we've received justice, mercy, and grace in our own lives should not just create a sense of desire to extend that to others, but give us a responsibility to extend that to others as well. We're called to demonstrate the heart of God here on the earth.
And it comes out of a heart of compassion. Now, I believe that the word compassion kind of gathers all these words together. So before we go on, I just want to take a look at the word compassion, okay? You see, the the word compassion is used 12 times in the New Testament. Once in describing uh, the the Good Samaritan's response, you know, when he uh, reaches out to the person who's broken and dying on the side of the road. Twice in referring to God's compassion, and nine mentions are attributable to how Jesus operates throughout the Gospels. And the word translated in the original Greek, you're going to love this word, is a word called splagnitsamai. Splagnitsamai. How about that? It's great, isn't it? Splagnitsamai. It's like a Rwandan child's name. You don't know how to spell it, but uh, it's a, a great word, splagnitsamai. Come on, you want to say it. I, I know you want to say it. Look at your neighbor and say splagnitsamai. Splagnitsamai, okay? Let me tell you what it means, what the, the kind of root picture means. The, the meaning of the word splagnitsamai means to be moved in the bowels. How about that? Now, occasionally, I have a movement in the bowels, but you don't really want to know about that on a Sunday morning, do you? But, uh, but, but the bowels were deemed to be the source of love and pity. The bowels or the intestines seem to be quite a graphic word, don't they, in describing God's compassion. But it's almost like uh, us saying of someone who did something brave, that took guts. That took guts. It came from down here. You know, it took guts to be able to do what they actually did. Now, compassion is much more than pity. We all have pity at times. We see a situation and it makes us sad and we have pity upon that person. But I think I told you last time, compassion puts arms and legs and feet and hands on the word pity. It does something about uh, the situation that is in front of you. And that's what the Good Samaritan did. He bound this man up on the side of the road, but he didn't just stop there. He puts him on his donkey and he takes him to an inn and he looks after him and he pays the price in order to see that man come right the way through to fullness and to wholeness once again. It does something about it. It gets involved. It gets its hands dirty. That's compassion. And it comes out of here. And when we've been touched by the love of God ourselves, then it breaks our hearts and it does something in our very inner being that says, I can't live just for myself, but I've got to live for others as well. Now, if you break the word down, you have two words. You have the word passion and you have the word com, okay? And when you uh, uh, take the word passion, it refers to the passion of Jesus. We talk about the passion of Jesus being that week leading up to the crucifixion, okay? It, it, it talks about the anguish and the sorrow and the pain and the brokenness that Jesus experienced and went through at that time as he uh, went through that period leading up to the cross and as he hung upon that cross He was taking the the guilt and the shame and the punishment for the sins of the world upon him. There was a passion that caused him to be able to do that. It was a brokenness that caused him to be obedient to the Father's will in his life. Now, when you accompany that word with uh, that little short word, com, that is a prefix to many other words as well, it means with. And it means with passion. Compassion means with passion. It means that when you have compassion, you are sharing with Jesus 
in his sufferings. You were coming alongside him in his pain and what he went through. It means that you are moved to act. You know, in Romans 8, it tells us that, you know, if we want to share in his glory, then we need to share in his sufferings. We need to come alongside Jesus and identify with him, even as he identifies with us, in what he feels so passionately about. And that's why he's called the church out of darkness. That's why he's called the church to declare his praise. That's why he's called us to be people of justice, of mercy, of compassion, of love, of forgiveness, and to show that in the world in which we live today. It means that when you have compassion, you are moved to act. And it brings together justice, mercy, grace, and love. Compassion. See, when Jesus sees the broken and when he sees the last and the least and the lost, he has compassion. Last year, I was in Ethiopia. It's a country that I go uh, to on many occasions. And again, don't be fooled by what the media will tell you about some of these places because they love to, to dwell on, uh, you know, the past. And, uh, you know, Ethiopia could have been seen as the breadbasket of Africa, but actually, the incredible development that is happening there. The Africa Nations is building is right there in Addis Ababa. And, you know, uh, heads of state from all these African countries gather there. There is incredible development going on. There's still incredible poverty, but it's changing all the time. And, uh, you know, I could paint an awful picture of the, the world today, but actually we're in a far, far better place than we ever have been. And it's exciting. And the more we get involved, the more change and transformation we can see. But I was in Ethiopia and uh, I was in Addis Ababa. And uh, just the day before we arrived, and we wouldn't have heard too much about this on the, the BBC News. It wasn't reported on widely around the world but there was a terrible landslide in the big kind of dump that is right there in the middle of Addis Ababa. Many large cities across the developing world, because they haven't got nice recycling centers or anything like that you and I have here in the UK, uh, all the rubbish is just brought to one location. And it becomes like mountains. You've heard of Smoky Mountain in the Philippines and, and other places. And, and what happens is because people are so desperate and so poor and they can't even afford the, the, the rent on the, uh, the slum dwellings, people will make little uh, kind of shelters on these dumps and they will be there, they will live there, they will work there, they will scavenge, they will look for food, they will look for something that they can sell. And this affects many, many people. And, and uh, just the day before that we arrived, there had been this awful landslide, and part of this great mountain had fallen away. And it was at nighttime as well, so that was added chaos in the darkness and everything. And 170 people were killed that day. As filth, tons and tons of filth and toxic rubbish just came over them. It was heartbreaking. And we had 20 Compassion families, children that were registered on our programs that were affected. And so sadly, we lost three precious little children. And it broke our hearts. And I remember being there in the project just nearby that, uh, that awful situation and the hearts of the project director and the staff were just broken and we stood with them and prayed with them. We shed tears and wept with them. We talked about, you know, uh, God's love and we sensed his presence in a way that we hadn't before. And we were able to show mercy as 
we were able to do something practically into that situation as well. But I believe it breaks the heart of God and so many situations that we'll never know and that we'll never see. But, but God is at work and, and uh, although we can't always understand the pain of suffering and why things are allowed, we know that God is present in those times of trouble as well. And thank God for those compassion projects that were working. Thank God for the church that was working in and amongst those families. But to sense his love and compassion was an awesome thing, pervading the place. God is a God of compassion, and he wants us to feel that compassion as well. Can I tell you today that 17,000 kids will die of easily preventable causes, that nearly a billion people will go to bed hungry, that that 2.4 billion people don't have a safe place to go to toilet in dignity. Thank God for what you're doing in Gagenki and just providing basic sanitation that's going to change those kids' lives in that place. The list goes on. And we can paint a picture that is horrible, but can I tell you, it's not so horrible as it was before. And I don't want to demean the pain of people right now, but things are improving all the time because of uh, the, the change that there is in governments and change that there is as people get hold of uh, the need to make a difference in these places. We can do it. We can bring about change. But it's about understanding his compassion and bringing something of his fullness and wholeness into that situation. Jesus has compassion, and he wants us to share in that too. Do you know, often we like to sanitize our compassion, don't we? Often we like to sanitize our good works. We don't want to get too involved. We don't want to get our hands too dirty. You know, as long as we do our bit and we can tick a box, then that's good. But God says, I've put you here, and yes, I've brought you out of darkness, but in a sense, you're still in that place of darkness to shine a bright light, to make a difference to be hope in a hopeless world, and to bring my light and my truth into those situations. And often we like to sanitize it. Often we like just to do the minimum. But God says, will you go deeper? Will you catch more of my heart uh, for the lost, for the broken, for the poor, and for the needy? I I just want us to explore just in uh, these last few minutes, just uh, briefly how Jesus demonstrates compassion there in the Gospels. Because, you know, he he gets involved in all kinds of different ways. And and you see how his heart is just so full for people. And I'm going to go quite quickly, but you may want to jot these these scriptures down. But the first one is, is in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. It says that when Jesus saw the crowd, he said, I hope you feel better soon. No, he didn't say that at all. No, no, he had splagnitsomai upon them. He had compassion upon them. And it says that he healed the sick and he fed them. He was to go on and perform that incredible miracle of the, the loaves and the fishes. But he saw the crowd and he had compassion and he heals those people. Do you know, Jesus is the healer today. And he can heal sickness today, and he can heal disease today, and he can provide for needs today. And then again in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 42, a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And straight away, what did Jesus do? 
put on surgical gloves and masks because he didn't want physical contact. No, 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 he didn't. Not at all. No, he's filled with splagnitzomite. He's filled with compassion. And he says, uh, he reaches out and he touches this leper that everybody else has shunned. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. You know, to, to be in contact with a leper in those days was a big no-no. It defied religious you know, uh, restrictions and, and social and uh, health restrictions, all of these things. But Jesus breaks aside all of that and he gets involved with this leper and others besides as well and shows compassion. I wonder if we're willing to touch the untouchable. Are we willing to get involved with those who are the unlovely in our society? To God, they have incredible value. I remember the first time I went to Africa, which was 30 years ago this year, and I, I went with a team that were part of a network of churches that Steve and I used to work for many years ago when we first met. And, and I, I went out there, and we did some hospital work. We went to this hospital, and they took me to uh, around the wards, and we prayed for different people. And, and then we went into this, uh, this room, and, and when I talk about wards, you know, it, it's not quite the same as what you'd be used to, Okay. You, you felt like you were going to catch something and, and come out sicker than when you went in, in a sense. It was filthy. It was horrible. They did the best with the resources that they had, but it wasn't a nice place to be. And, and we just went around and ministered to, to different people. And, and uh, we went into this room, and, and there on a flat kind of bed, a very thin mattress, was a guy. He was skin and bone. And this was in 1988, and he had HIV AIDS. And when I heard that, I took a few steps back. Hey, I didn't want to get involved there. I'd heard about HIV AIDS. And if you were around in the 80s, you would have heard about it. You, you knew kind of where it was emanating from. You, but we were confused about it. We, we didn't know quite if you could catch it. Was it airborne? Was it, did you just have to touch someone? Was it beyond that? Was it more than that? And, and, and we didn't quite know. And, and when I heard this guy had HIV AIDS, I... I was back here. I was at the back of the group. I thought, I'll let some of these other African boys get involved there and, and pray for this, this man, and I'll, I'll just pray back here. Do you know, that's my humanity. That was my fear at the time. I, I didn't know what to expect. And, and then I heard this voice saying, what would Jesus do? And that was quite a popular thing that everybody wore on their bracelets back then, WWJD. I always thought that was who was Jason Donovan, but there you go. It was apparently it was what would Jesus do, and uh, and I began this wrestling match with the Holy Spirit. You know, I know what Jesus would do, but I'm not Jesus. You know, and I felt this this uh, you know kind of drawing of the Holy Spirit. You need to get involved, and I was terrified. I have to say, and but I had to be obedient, and and I got there and. And uh, I kind of just laid hands on this guy, and we prayed for him. And, and then, horror of horrors, they said, we want to change his bedding. Could you just lift him up? Everything in me just froze, you know? Uh, and I wanted to run out of the room. But there's the Holy Spirit, you know, moving you on. And I remember just getting underneath this guy and lifting him up, you know? He was a grown man, but there was, his body was just wasted. We just lifted him up while they sorted out the bedding underneath. 
And I have to say, I put him down quite quickly as well, <laughs> gently. But we prayed, and I couldn't wait to find a tap and to wash and to scrub and all the rest of it. And, you know, Jesus understands our shortcomings. Jesus understands our weaknesses and our fears and all the rest of it. But he says, will you trust me? Will you come with me on this journey of compassion, of brokenness, of, of reaching out to those who are lost, who are, uh, who, who are not of your social group, of your, uh, the person that you would kind of naturally come to? Will you get involved with the needs of this world? It's not always going to be easy, but Jesus says, I'll be with you and I'll help you with these things. The third thing is this, Luke 7, 11 to 17, was the widow of Nain. And uh, here was a woman who was burying her son. And, uh, you know, that was devastating for this woman because obviously if she was a widow, she didn't have a husband anymore who was the provider for her. And now her son who was growing up and he was going to be the one that would provide for her, what was she going to do as well as losing a husband and a son, she was losing her source of provision and her heart was broken. And when the Lord saw her, he said to his disciples, well, let's go and get a card and some flowers. No, not at all. No, his heart went out to her. And filled with splagnitsomai, he said, don't cry, don't cry. And then again, he violates the religious cleanliness, uh, you know, orders and restrictions, and he touches the coffin and he raises this boy back to life again. Jesus gets involved because he has compassion. Let's move quickly on. Matthew 20, verse 29 to 34. Jesus comes across two blind men. What did he do? Give them a free voucher for spec savers? No. No, he's filled with splagnitsomai. He's filled with compassion. And he reaches out and he touches their eyes. And immediately they receive their sight and they follow after him. Here's another one, Mark 6, 34. Jesus is in a solitary place. And, uh, you know, so they get in a boat and, and uh, they, they want to go and find some quietness. And, and yet the people here where, understand where he's going to go. And so they kind of run ahead and get to the place where Jesus is going. They run around the lake and, and they get there. And, and, and what does Jesus do? Say, uh-oh, quick, let's hide behind a rock. You know, I'm fed up with these people today. No, not at all. Again, he's filled with splagnitsomai. He's filled with compassion. And he teaches the people. He gathers them around them. He sees that they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he ministers into their situation. Here's another one, John 11, verse 33. When Jesus saw Mary weeping, he gives her a hanky. No, he doesn't give her a hanky. Her brother has died and, and uh, she's broken and she can't understand why Jesus had delayed, you know, his visit. If you'd have been here, you could have saved him. But Jesus knew what was going to happen and he wanted God's glory. And so he sees her and he's deeply moved in spirit and he has splagnitsomai. He's troubled. And then that simple little verse in scripture, it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Can you understand uh, how much pain and heartache and sadness is wrapped up in those two little words? Jesus wept. He was filled with splagnitsomai. Can I tell you this morning that, that Jesus is the healer? He can heal you today. I believe that. I don't understand why sometimes we don't see the healing that we want, but I know that Jesus is the healer. And I'm going to continue to pray that Jesus will heal, heal people. And I know that he is bigger 
then all of my prayers, all of my theology, all of my understanding, my lack of understanding. But I know that he's the healer today and he can heal you. I believe that with all my heart. But he's the one who can understand bereavement today, even as he did with Mary and with that widow. He understands bereavement and he can bring peace into your life today. It's a painful thing, bereavement. I lost my father just a few months ago and hadn't realized that it would affect me in the way that it had. Even though he was quite elderly and we've been praying for him to go to his reward. But bereavement comes and it catches you out. And, and maybe this morning you're facing bereavement and you don't know how to handle that. And you, it's been painful and it's, it's leading into to dark places. But God knows and he understands. And he can bring healing into your situation this morning. He can bring peace to you today. Maybe you lack direction. Maybe you're blindly feeling your way through life, and, uh, and yet God wants to give you some clarity. He wants to teach you, and he wants to uh, help you to know which way to go. You know, the steps of a righteous man or a woman are ordered of the Lord, and, and we will hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. And we need to come and hear the voice of Jesus this morning speaking into our lives so that there's clarity and there's peace as we go forward. Maybe you lack hope this morning. Maybe you're in a, a dark situation. You feel like you're in a hopeless place. This is Hope Church. And we focus on Jesus, who is the hope of the world. Come to Jesus this morning and find hope for living. You may have all kinds of needs, but can I tell you that Jesus is your solution today? You know, peace has a name. It's Jesus. Joy has a name. It's Jesus. Hope has a name. It's Jesus, and you can find him to be your hope and uh, your peace and your love and your joy even today. Do you know, in the same way he can minister to us today, he also wants to minister through us. Not to come up with some pleasant platitude, not just to tick a box in terms of our discipleship and our faith, but, but to go the extra mile, to, to step out in faith, to get our hands dirty, to be involved. Church, we... We need the compassion of Jesus flowing through our lives so that when we see broken humanity, it causes us to respond rather than to retreat. It causes us to open our eyes in faith rather than to close our eyes in fear, to speak up and to defend. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said this, to be neutral in a situation of injustice is to have chosen sides already. It is to support the status quo. When we're around in our everyday lives, we will see situations of injustice. Maybe we need to speak into that. Maybe we need to speak up for somebody. Maybe we need to get involved and, and see that situation changed around. It's, it's one thing to, uh, to be a blessing and to do something that helps, but, but let's go back and see if we can deal with some of the causes of these things as well, uh, where people face injustice. We need to be a church without walls, a church that's not just getting what we can, but sharing what we have. I was in a Hilton hotel uh, recently, and uh, as I checked out in the morning, I walked down the long corridor, and I saw on the door handles of these rooms that there were various kind of um, uh, like hangers, little information hangers that uh, the Hilton Hotel had provided for you to uh, be able to share with the staff the kind of current status of the room, in a sense. 
And on one of them, I I saw this hanger on on the handle, and it said, uh, still asleep, come back later. Still asleep, come back later. Church, don't be a church that's asleep. I don't believe that you are. Don't be a Christian that's still asleep, that's still at rest, that's still in that horizontal position. It's time to get up. It's time to to wake up. It's time to to be out there making a difference. I I saw another uh, sign there hanging on the handle, and it said this, uh, housekeeping required. And uh, I thought to myself, it's a little bit like the church. It's a little bit like some Christians that we just want more. And, and, and of course, what it was saying was, you know, we need more tea bags or we need more coffee or sugar or we need some extra towels or the bed to be changed or, uh, you know, we need more shampoo or whatever it might, might mean. We need more housekeeping. And, and sometimes the attitude of the church in the West is we need more. We need more to be blessed with. We need more programs. We need more of this. We need more of that. And I understand we need to grow in our faith. We need to be discipled. We need to be equipped and all of those things. But there has to be a time when we say enough. We've got too much. We're too fat. We're too greedy. And it's time to take what we have and share it with those who don't have anything. And then I saw a final one. And it was hanging on the door handle. And it said this. We're up and out, and we're doing fabulous things. I love that. I love that. That's a picture of the church who are up, out, and doing fabulous things, and making a difference in the community, making the difference in our nation, making a difference in the world today. Maybe the band could just come back and join me as we come uh, to a close this morning. James chapter 2, 15 to 16 says this, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or food, And one of you says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? You know, actions plus love equal compassion. Get involved. Find the opportunity. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into divine appointments that uh, he has planned and prepared in advance. Listen, you can't change everything, but you can change something. Mother Teresa said this, if you can't, wow. Wow. I thought for a minute I was going to need to minister first aid and and demonstrate compassion there on the stage. That was brilliant. Thank you. You couldn't do that again in slow motion, could you? That was fantastic. All sorts of things happen in in my meetings. (laughs) It must have been the Holy Spirit. I'm sure it was. No, no, no. No, no, I'm not going to claim that one. That was just a joke. But, uh, you know, we need to look for those opportunities. You can't change everything, but you can do something. Mother Teresa said if you can't feed... A hundred, then feed one. Make a difference to one. Maybe that's sponsoring a child. Maybe that's getting involved with somebody here today, somebody in your community, someone on the street, somebody at the school gate, in your workplace, whatever it might be. Let's make a difference to those who desperately need a Savior today. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you. Why don't we just stand to our feet and the band are just going to begin to play. There's an opportunity to sponsor a child this morning. And at the table back there, there's about 30 lovely kids who would say, I want to be in your life. But you know, God is interested in our hearts more than he is our pockets. And, and pockets come out of where our heart is. If you, you know, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. But he's interested in your heart this morning. Maybe your heart is far from God. 
Well, listen, God loved the world so much that he gave the thing that was most precious, and that was his own dear son, who paid the price, paid the punishment for our sin and our wrongdoing, the stuff that separates us from God. Jesus says, will you come to me? In fact, in the Bible, he says, you need to repent. It's not an invitation, it's a command. He says, you need to repent, you need to turn around and start doing what is right, living for me, putting me at the center of your life. Maybe that's you this morning. You've been coming along to Hope Church, but you've never made a step of faith. And I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. It's just everybody, uh, head is bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you this morning, we would love to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning, but, but sometimes we just need to take a step of faith. And if your heart is away from God and you say, I want to come and know him this morning. I, I'm tired of living for myself. I want to be part of something that will uh, I can make a difference in. I, I need to get my life right with Jesus. Maybe you've been uh, away from God and you've been backslidden, but it's time to come back this morning. I just want to give an opportunity because this is what we do in the church. We, we love you so much and we don't want you to miss out on this. God loves you. So as everyone else is praying, if that's you this morning, just raise your hand. Say, Tim, I want to come to Jesus this morning. I, I need a Savior this morning. I want to come back to him. Is that you? Anyone here this morning? Well, I saw one hand go up and then go down. But God knows that situation. Anybody else this morning? God knows your heart. You know, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that for anyone who should know of your love and your truth this morning, that they will come right in, that they will take that step of faith, saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I need you to be my Savior, please. God, move on my life. Help me to live for you and to serve you. Oh, God, would you do that? If that is you this morning, come and chat with somebody. Talk with a person who brought you. We'd love to spend some time with you. Maybe this morning you have particular needs in your life. Maybe there's a loneliness. Maybe there's an emptiness. Maybe there's lack of clarity this morning. Maybe you are in need of the healing touch of God. Well, as we begin to sing, there's a, a place down here where you can come. We have a team who want to pray for you. And, and uh, take advantage this morning and come to Jesus. He is the solution. He is the one who can bring about change in your life. Father, I pray that you just move upon us now. Just here's the last thing. We've been talking about compassion. And everyone needs compassion. But God wants to show that compassion through your life and mine this morning. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is here. He's the spirit of compassion. He's the spirit of truth. He, he brings to us what Jesus wants us to have. You just raise your hands to him this morning. Just receive. Right around this room. Just receive. Receive that compassion. Say, God, I want to, my heart to be broken. I want my heart to be turned inside out. I want my life to be a demonstration of love for others. Please use me. Even today, use me. Holy Spirit, just move upon us right now. Move upon us. Break our hearts. 
the poor, for the lost, for the marginalized, for those who face injustice, for those who are broken, for those who are empty. Holy Spirit, move upon us. And I pray that from this moment, we will be able to report back on all kinds of lovely stories where God has used us to bring hope and healing into broken people's lives. Oh God, we're asking for something supernatural to happen here right now. Move on us, we pray, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd love to pray for you personally with that, if that's what you want as well. So as we begin to sing, feel free just to come forward. If you have needs that you'd like to be prayed for, just come on.